0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventurer, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys, and every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah. I'm so excited to bring Sarah Nasserzadeh to this podcast episode today. So go grab your journals. We've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks about relationships in terms of, uh, we had, for example, the Wolf of Wall Street, the ex-wife of the Wolf of Wall Street on. That was an amazing conversation. This last week, which is actually today, as I'm recording this, I did an episode on suffering and how suffering can actually lead to learning more about who we are. Today's episode, we're gonna keep this Oh, so good. We're going to be talking about relationships. Uh, at some point, we have to dive in and have them, right? Like, well, I guess if we choose. And so I really want to dive into the lightness of this and uh, Sarah's book, her new book that just came out. So go grab your journals and let's start this conversation. Sarah, would you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Absolutely. So I go by Sarah Zadeh. So that's my, those are my given names. Uh, and last name um my new book is love by design 6 ingredients to build a lifetime of love and i want this to be hopeful I want this to be a little bit challenging because I'm going to challenge all the notions that we grew up with, including myself. If you read the book, you see how miserable I felt Mm. uh, abiding by those rules. And then, um, yeah, hopefully offering people more than change of mind and worldview around love. And I would love for all of us to experience and express love differently. Do you find, let's, I want to start, like, let's
0: pull all the way back. I'm thinking about my own relationship that I have climbed out of. Do you find that a lot of people are afraid of love, especially after having been in perhaps toxic or difficult relationships in their past?
1: Absolutely. You know, like um, in every language that I'm familiar with, there is a saying that talks about once bitten twice shy. Right. Yeah. So is that what you say in English? I think yeah, that's what it I'm is. Talking. You're, you're spot on. <laughs> so it's, it's the same thing. And that's the preservative, um, nature of our nervous system that, that wants to preserve us from further hurt or heartbreak yeah. or all that. Sometimes though, I have to say when it comes to love, people would love to fall in love, break their heart, mend it or not moving on doing it all over again. So we have research on, um, you know, that sort of love-seeking behavior. And that's wonderful if that's what people would like to pursue, experiencing of that deep sense of tantalizing. Yeah. And uh, when I say like, you know, based on that, you will have dangling from chandelier sex, maybe, you know, these sort of things. But this book is specifically I wrote to give people hope who would like to build a lifetime of relationship, loving relationship with somebody and they didn't know how to go about it. They didn't know what sort of self-work that is needed beyond trauma work that is trendy in the world right now. Or for example, where to put my effort? Now that I'm willing to do the work, where do I put my efforts? That's what the work, that's what the, my lifetime of research and uh, practice across 40 countries. You touched on something. You said the trendy,
0: the trendy of the trauma, the trauma oh. work that is trendy today. And it, it is, it's a very, it's a very trendy thing. What I also talked to you about before we jumped in, which is why I'm so excited about this is that at some point, let's also, as Dr. Edith Eger says that I talk about often walk through the valley and don't set up camp there, right? Cause we all walk through a valley of darkness, but what is it like to be in the light on the other side? Because that's ultimately where we as humans, that's where we want to be.
1: Right. And so it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of bold steps to get there. Yeah. Even listening to us today will require a different level of boldness, I, I tell you, because one time, the first time that I was presenting the model, the emergent love model that came out of our research at the Stanford University, uh, when the talk was done, a woman stood out, sobbing and clapping at the same time. I was so moved. I asked for the mic to be handed to her and she said, look, you just changed everything I knew about love. And where have you been 20 years ago? So it takes a lot of courage. It took a lot of courage for me to say no to heck with what I grew up with, that, you know, that one plus one equals one, falling in love, happily ever after, whatever. But nobody showed us what happens after Cinderella and the Prince Charming passed through that bridge. What happened in the everyday life that they had to chauffeur their children to um, their classes? The car broke down and then your mother called Yield yield at me and then uh, our finances are in Iraq. So then what? Then what? And you
0: have been pushing the envelope, may I say, for a number of years. Uh, When I was reading up on you, (laughs) there were a couple of things I was like, you go. I love (laughs) pushing the envelope. You had a
1: talk show. Is it a
0: talk show on BBC? Tell us well, about it that. It was an
1: education show, sure. it was an educational program called The Whispers, and it was for the BBC World Service and for the um, Farsi speaking audience around the world. It was uh, the first office kind in the Middle East. Uh, wow! Yeah. And and how was that for you? Like standing up
0: and actually having these conversations back then when perhaps it wasn't the thing to be doing, right? Like back then as well. How was that for you?
1: Uh, Yes, and there were layers to that. Uh, Back then I was a young woman. This is 2006 that I started it. So I was very young, um, a woman from the Middle East. And I'm speaking about topics that I'm trying to be evidence informed, not abiding by the narratives that are carrying on mm-hmm. in the society. And there, there were certain words that we didn't even have in Farsi, or they weren't on top of mind in Farsi. Let's say, for example, orgasm, foreplay, these sort of things. And I needed to work with the Academy of um, Languages inside Iran to be able with one of. Um, Uh, the old mentors that I had who was a member of that committee just to make sure that we come up with words that people can use because language has power. If Mm. I'm sitting here and talking to you and say, Sarah, you know, people have orgasms and as an English speaking person growing up around this language, orgasm means something to you but if i just say that you know i'm speaking in farsi or arabic or pashto or hindu or you know whatever language that i'm speaking in and then i all of a sudden say yeah and then as you're having orgasm and use this latin originated and english word then what does that mean to people that only foreigners only westerners only liberated can have orgasm so wow. this was very important for me to create language around certain things that people need to have language to own them To be able to relate to them, that this is actually something that I can want in my life too. Not that all people are oppressed, by the way, in that part of the world, that's a misconception. But regarding sexuality in 2006, you can imagine that um, it was a very interesting and rewarding experience for me all around. I have to say, very, very rewarding. And I'm so grateful to the BBC that gave me that opportunity. Because majority of countries who speak the language, they're under censorship. So I could meet people where they were. in yeah. the corner of the bedroom, listening to the radio. I had a radio show. And years later, uh, and, and then I had the TV show. I meet them in their living room. Like nobody could stop me. Nobody could, could censor me there, right? right? But if I was going to publish or put something online, they could easily censor me. So that was the purpose when I went to the BBC and spoke with the editors and I said, look, here's my mission in life. Can you help me? And to their credit, they really did. And um, it was incredible the number of people who called one time. This still brings chills to me. Like how many years later uh, I was editing the show Um And it was really interesting. After the first series, I asked them to send me to the production class because I realized that the content is so sensitive that if they cut a word in a misplaced area, the whole meaning could change. So again, kudos to them to kind of buy into my argument to send me to production class I produced, you know, from the season two, um, just to keep the content with integrity. One time I was editing around it was around midnight, I was still in the studio editing uh, the next week's show and uh, the phone rang. I picked up the phone and this was like a voicemail that people would call and leave their messages. So I picked up the phone and then a guy on the other side said with very thick um, accent uh, said, well, I'm. this is in their language, but you know, I've just translated in English. Um, and then he said, "I came to the town to buy bread, and I have a question for Doctor Sarah." I said, "I'm it. Ask me. I'm her. You know, ask me the question." He was a member of Taliban. Can you believe it? Wow! I mean, that it's it was like, and I started crying. I couldn't even talk. I could not talk to the guy. <laughs> wow! Felt like really? Is that who I'm reaching?
0: Wow. So many things, so many directions right now, as I'm just sitting in that moment with you, what that must've been like. And that is, I want everybody to truly hear this, is that we don't understand fully grasp and nor will we ever fully grasp the number of people that we individually can reach in this as humans, right? Like, around the world the number of people that we can reach that we do reach and we don't even realize it we don't we don't understand as humans how even just passing somebody at the grocery store can have such a huge impact such a huge impact until a moment like this happens and then we're brought back to our human centered space again and have this realization that every one of our voices matters and our truth matters the words matter. Wow. I'm blown away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm blown away.
1: It is incredible. You know, how much we feel that, you know, they are the other who is the other, you know, talking about human connectivity. If I have something to offer, I should, Mm -hmm. I should really um, get up and do the work in the morning and make sure that um. I leave the message behind for people who will access them in their own way and will apply them into their lives uh, to bring more meaning, more joy, more hope to the world and to their lives.
0: I just shared, and then I want to dive into all of this with you. I just shared a couple of weeks ago on a podcast episode how I was hiking down into the Grand Canyon and this couple from South Korea wanted to know if they could reach the bottom. They wanted they wanted my expertise. Do you think I can reach the bottom in time? Or do you think that we should turn around before it gets too dark? And we had this very quick, yet extremely meaningful and resonant conversation about the specifics, like about, can you can you do this? Can you get down there? And what I realized that was holding them back was one thing, and that was food. It was the only thing. They just didn't have enough food. So I gave them my sandwich. And I said, you know what? you need this experience far more than i do this sandwich to get down there because i've got other stuff to eat you don't and the reason i share this is because it is in that one one small thing a sandwich that allowed them to have this experience and then they wrote me this message through instagram and said how their view of even the united states has changed oh. how their view on humanity changed right and in reality we are, we're all human connected, right? And we seem to forget that because we are walking so quickly in this world. And we don't slow down enough to simply look at something as powerful as a morsel of love. That's it. Like, this is what we're talking about. It's the morsel of love.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that little act of kindness, that a lot of people even might be thinking about, but not doing it right because of their own fears that fear of rejection fear of how am i going to be perceived especially in this culture of cancel and um yeah. polarity and how am i going to be perceived how am i going to be received by people we keep going back and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking in what makes us human
0: exactly Oh, my. I'm so happy to have you here today. I I just wow. So let's dive into this book. Let's dive into uh, share with us. I want to dive into these these principles that you have and tell us about how you even came to them.
1: How did you get to this to this research, to this work? Absolutely. So as a researcher, I should know that the data that we collect and whatever that the outcome is, is as good as the questions that we ask Mm -hmm. And this is not only me, Socrates actually was the first person who came up with it. So the wisdom is out there. We just need to approach the right people and ask the right questions to get what we want. So far, majority of people who've been researched in the realm of relationships, especially romantic relationships, were easy targets like college students, people who could come, you know, just fill out a questionnaire, this and that. And uh, what I was interested in was I wanted to know why relationships thrive. So we went after 159 couples who self-identified as thriving in their relationships and their individual lives. And these are different sexual relational orientations, um, representative sample of race and ethnicity and education, um, all that from the United States. And we studied them with individually as well as as a couple. We asked them uh, about certain ingredients that emerged from our first research. The first research was the research I've done qualitative for people who are familiar with it. Qualitative out of my own practice of 20 years sitting with couples across the world. And uh, I went through my notes that I took, session notes, just to see what were the concepts that are so always come up. Like there are certain things like trust, respect, attraction. What do they mean by that? And then put it into the frame of ground theory research, a grounded theory, which means you have a bunch of material and then with no hypothesis, you just go over it, see what emerges from the research. And when you reach a point of, we call it point of saturation, there's nothing new comes up. Then you stop. You say, hmm, I think I have 12 concepts, for example, right? So I had that. And then from um, 312 couples. And then I put that into the quantitative research. And I teamed up with Dr. Pejman Azarmina, who is also my husband, the psychometric specialist. And then we um, looked at whether this is just the person's perspective of their own notes and research. Or couples in thriving relationships actually connect with these two. So what I'm offering people is pretty solid. It's not love- as a concept, as something that we talk about, feel about, it's pretty solid. We define it, we put language around it, we know how to get it and how to design it. So oh. that is the concept behind it. And I'm done with seating people in pain. If yeah. you want to have experiences around love, have your heart broken and rebroken and you know, enjoy yourself, wonderful. What I'm offering in this book is again, you know, for people who would like to build a lifetime of love with someone
0: so i love this i love this i'm done with pain too <laughs> yeah, so- i'm done with it i'm done with it just understand that yes and in any relationship you have pain comes up you have suffering uh, and on the other side of that you learn from all of it to be able to grow and become better as a well as an individual and as a couple So what did you find? So dive into these, into these concepts with us. I'm going to use these in my own life right now. Absolutely.
1: May I just comment a little bit on that pain and suffering? Yeah, absolutely. So remember how I said, we are a culture of trauma these days. Every channel that you tune in trauma with every, everything that's okay. Because maybe Mm -hmm. that's, Where we are as a species, we are going through a lot these days after pandemic with all the wars and, you know, unsettling, unsettlement around the world. But on the other side of it, let's not forget about the definition of trauma. Trauma is something that happens that we cannot comprehend with the frame of mind that we have in that moment in time. So we lose a sense of agency, sense of cognitive ability to analyze it and process it in that moment. That becomes a traumatic Uh, interpretation of that event right if we look at it this way then I tie it back to this whole concept of emergent love if I'm experiencing love with the concept of one plus one come together and then build a shared percent like one plus one equals one then obviously I'm going to experience the events in life very differently and if I go in it with epistemology, with a frame of thinking, that one plus one equals three. So a log spark come together in a conducive context, make fire. I don't expect the fire to be all-encompassing and exist on its own for no good reason. This just doesn't exist, mm. right? Right. So the emergent quality of love. I want people to really take a step back and think about the new perspective. Within that context, pain exists. Of course it exists. It shows you that you're human. It shows that you feel. It shows that you're healthy. You're alive. But it doesn't turn into trauma that you cannot move past. It doesn't become open wound that bleeds all over. It's much more controlled. You know how to lick it. You know how to put a band-aid on it, turn it into scar, look at it and say, hey, I got this scar. Here's what I learned from it. I grew because of it, right? So that's what we're talking about.
0: Yes, that is, that so makes sense. That is so beautiful. Thank you for that.
1: Of course.
0: Thank you for that.
1: Of course. And now the six ingredients. Yes. So when we say in the conducive context and log and spark and, you know, all that, what are those six ingredients? And yes, they are not negotiable people because (laughs) I hear people say, can we have respect and not attraction? No, not happening. At least based on our research, this was not the case. Okay. Oh, I have so many questions to dive in with you on this. This is so good. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So the first one is attraction. Mm. What do you want to be around each other? What do you want to be around yourself to begin with? Right. And expanding people's minds from only sexual attraction to financial, social, intellectual attraction, all sorts of attraction, right? So that's attraction.
0: Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or wanna learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life use the coupon code live boldly at checkout l-i-v-e-b-o-l-d-l-y go grab them sarahshiltoncrans.com underneath more and digital programs
1: and we can talk about sexual chemistry versus sexual harmony intimacy the meaning to it you know all of that if we get a chance today yes right the other one is respect how do you show that you prioritize me How do you show that you respect my boundaries lovingly and firmly? How do I respect myself with my boundaries? How do I communicate them to you? Because boundaries these days became a show of, as I call it, acquired narcissism. We give, 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 walk all over ourselves and each other, and then we reach a point that we punch each other. It's like passive-aggressive. Or that acquired narcissism... It, everything is becoming about me, 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 me. It's about me. No, that's 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 not healthy. So the healthiest way is when you feel like you're at peace, and you are communicating your boundaries as invitations: of how to be around me, how to treat me lovingly and firmly. I love that. Right. Teach so people how are. to treat you. Yes. Exactly. By also treating them well and treating yourself well. Everything is reciprocal. Everything. We yeah. cannot expect other people to respect us when I'm not respectable. Absolutely. That's very important. Absolutely. Or I'm not respectful to other people, right? This goes, by the way, to any relationship with our kids that you nowadays I see so many parents struggle with their kids because they're not respectful to them. You don't get the respect back. Mm-hmm. You just cater to them. You are their maids and butlers. You're not really, you know, parenting. So, sorry, that's another conversation.
0: I'm a mom of three. Totally get it. (laughs) You know, mom bonding. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So for trust, trust has two qualities that are not to be compromised. At the heart of it is commitment, whatever that we are committing to. And then the other one is reliability and consistency. You cannot show up 50% of the times or 90% of the times for yourself or the other and expect that the trust would be there. A lot goes into that, like the concept of a person's respecting and showing up for themselves in a consistent and reliable way and show up for the other person, their values, what matters to them um, as well. So that's important. And I'm not asking people to be perfect. We do drop the ball, but know how to mend it properly. That's good. How do you mend it properly? So I have this tool that I give to people that I feel like it's uh, on a daily basis. I call it, uh, I lend you a arm. I know grammatically is wrong, but you know, it's like a, a armed for people to remember, hmm. not an arm. So a is you're going to acknowledge the situation. What happened, right? And then appreciate the hurt that it caused you and the other person and, you know, talk about that. So A, A. R is you reassure them that you're in this together. I want to fix this. We're in this together. So anything that is a joining moment, we are a team. We're going to do this, right? Because that is the piece that is often missing in the repair situation. And then the last but not least is the mend, discuss about it and you know like how are you going to mend this i'm not going to do that again or i'm going to make sure that we have a shared calendar so i do show up for the soccer practice i'm going to uh, so you know all of that whatever that mending situation is and it could be as simple as can we carve time in our calendar to go for a walk and talk about this
0: Ooh.
1: right so simple yeah.
0: things the simple things don't over complicate it
1: yeah absolutely
0: that's beautiful
1: so that's trust shared vision has multiple categories like from geographical to social to you know different different categories that we are physiological where are we committed to go together especially when we don't feel like it oh so that's important and then with that i talk about the difference between compromise negotiation and sacrifice A lot of people at the beginning of relationship, especially when they base their relationship based on sexual chemistry and attraction only, they go all the way in, they sacrifice a lot. And then somewhere down the line, you're like, what am I doing? What is happening? What is left of me? And then they will diverge. Mm -hmm. So let's think about it. Sacrifice should be really preserved for really specific things in life. And I prefer that you do negotiation and compromise for the most part. But obviously, sacrifices happen too. But then you need to be very clear. And there are exercises in the book that I give people to kind of differentiate them and live by them to make sure that, you know, when they make a decision, they can live with it. Compassion. A lot of people, well, as humans, you know how we're talking today and I say, something about motherhood or parenthood, you say, oh, me too. I'm a mother of three too. So that is normal, that is sociable, that is healthy. It's called relating. We relate to one another, right? I'm hungry. Are you hungry too? You know, all of that. Or for example, one thing that you did with that South Korean couple that you're like, okay, so relating to their experience and trying to be there for them, right? Now, you breach to the realm of compassion there. You showed up for them, not not um, uh, sacrificing anything about yourself, but you showed up for the other person too, right? So that's yeah. compromise. In a couple of them, one of the things, and empathy is when we feel with another person. One of the things that I would love to introduce in the book, based on science people, this is not hokey pokey, I want you don't over empathize with each other unless in certain contexts for example when you're in an erotic space or when you're commiserating with each other empathizing with each other feeling with the other person is good you cry together you laugh together you know all that but for everyday stuff a lot of people come to me and say you know what i came home i shared this excitement and my partner stole it completely that's over empathizing Or, for example, I come to my partner and say, you hurt me or something hurt me. And and they either become defensive or they're like, how could you be hurt? They're trying to make sense of it for themselves to see why am I not feeling it? Because you're looking for empathy. But if you really separate yourself and be there for the person, when they come to share something with you, let's say, for example, that hurt situation, I give an analogy of bleeding that I say I'm bleeding. It doesn't matter if you cut me, somebody else cut me. I'm bleeding. The bleeding is the issue, right? Right. You need to show up for me, not to come and say that you're bleeding. I'm bleeding too. Look, mine is even bigger. Hijacking. Exactly. Hijacking the emotion, hijacking the feeling, hijacking the situation. And we do that under the name of empathy and love. Right. Interesting. Compass is showing up for yourself and the other, and uh, show up for the other without making it about you. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of tools there for people to use. And last but not least, acts of loving. Mm-hmm. Acts of loving are tender. You make the other per- person feel special in sing- like simple ways. You give them benefit of the doubt. You are tender in your touch and words. And you're specific. If you give a compliment to them, it's specific to them. If you have a nickname, it's not shared with your little sister and your wife and your mother. Mm. Or I have clients who say the same endearing terms that my partner uses for our pet is the same uh, name that um, he calls me in, you know, by, by those names. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, these all, they're not rocket science, but if you really think about them, they are, because we neglect them so much. It's fascinating to
0: me because I'm thinking about these six core ingredients, and I always talk about the relationship triangle as trust, respect, shared goals, which is what you also have in here, trust, respect, shared vision, right? That's shared goals. And then I always say that the golden thread that we so often negate or we don't use is communication. Mm-hmm. It's not simply communication through words. It's communication, listening. It's communication through action, through showing up, because we communicate in many, many ways. And that's what you're talking about here. We communicate through attraction through one another. How are we going to show up in our loving behaviors? It's the golden thread that we so often don't utilize. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: In our relationships.
1: Yes. There's a whole chapter on physical connection because when we talk about physical connection of a couple, people talk about frequency and quality of sex.
0: Right. That's
1: that's all, that's all we have. It's way more than that. I'm a sexologist. So I should be talking about sex and na, 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 na. But there's so much more. There's so much more because we fulfill so many different roles and each of them deserve to be communicated in a different way through touch. So
0: when I want to dive into the traction. Can we can we step into attraction for a moment? Because I was just having this conversation with uh, my clients on this Grand Canyon retreat that I was leading. And we were talking about the types of people that we are attracted to. I look at my past and my patterns and the people that I was attracted to. Oh, hell no, not anymore. I am I am not attracted to that. And the reason why is because of that internal relationship that I now have with myself, right? Which Mm -hmm. is what we were also talking about. The trust with self, compassion, respecting self. If you're not going to respect yourself first, how can somebody else step up and respect you equally? Mm -hmm. And here's my question. And this is the conversation that we dove into was, how do we shift that attraction from what once was the unhealthy attraction, where we are attracted perhaps to the explosion, right? Where that you're attracted to and you're like, "Ooh, that's what I want. How do you shift that from what once was to what we also now know is healthy, which is respecting ourselves? Because I figured out a way to do that. And I want you to speak to those other women and men that are also in that space where they want that. And they've oftentimes said that. They said, I've heard many people say, but that's boring. And I'm like, not once you get into it, it's not. It's actually quite amazing. That's the space where you do find the magic. How do you help people to shift that attraction from unhealthy to healthy?
1: So first and foremost, expanding their horizons. What do you do to take people to the Grand Canyon walks? And Is that Grand Canyon that
0: you take people yeah, we Yeah, we, we, uh, we hike down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and we spend two nights down there. And it is awesome because we develop that relationship with self in a different way. And people climb out of there and they're like, I will never live in the way that I once was, which is why I do this deep work with people.
1: That's amazing.
0: Expanding their horizons, expanding their perspectives, expanding who they are and how
1: they want to live. Yeah. And you know, there's a way in a psychosomatic um, yeah. work that um, when you, depending on the topic that you're thinking about and talking about, you can choose the slope. You can choose how uh, hard the physical exertion is and how easy it is. And usually the way that I I do it is actually I take my clients to hike, we talk about the difficulties or stuckness as, as we go up. And as we go down, they come up with the idea. Yeah, just through this and through bilateral stimulation of the brain as you know, you're in the nature. And so when you do that, you are also inducing that new perspective to people. So when you ask me how this is possible, that is one way that you're doing it right? Take them out of their um, natural habitat or um, something that they're used to, to even uh, introduce them to, there's a world out there people, you know, there's this, not this narrow vision that we have around love and in our own bubble. So that is the first. The second thing is, it's important for people to know that where the attention goes, energy flows.
0: Oh, say that again. Everybody write this down. I do love this one. I have this one
1: placed everywhere right so where the attention goes and energy flows yes you start seeing things differently when your frame of mind changes and again there's always research to back all of this up right when you are more exposed to a mentality that one plus one equals one you are looking for it you see it in everything and everywhere and you pursue it So when you're asking me how to expand people's minds around their attraction, the first thing is, what is it that you are running away from? What is it that you're drawn to without knowing because it's your default and blueprint? This is like you had a mother who was unpredictable and you didn't know what kind of a mother you would get. Angry, sad, kind, caring, which kind? It's very likely for you To either run away from that kind of a person with instability in mood and behavior, or you are going to be drawn to drama Mm -hmm. all your life not knowing. So know what is it that you are attracted to and why. And if there is a need for you to mend it and rewrite it for yourself, rewrite the narrative, do it beforehand. And if you are in a relationship listening to this, there's still hope. So you can actually share the shared language, share understanding, share viewpoint, this new point with your partner as well, and then go through each point of attraction with them and make sure that you grow together. So one of the things that I see in couples is I see people individually as well as couples. In individual sessions, there's so much that comes up. And I tell them, well, only if your partner knew this. Right. I don't know, right? Again, with the trauma culture, they feel like they they should only share the trauma and heartbreak and um, horrible things and adverse childhood experiences that they had with one another. But may I invite you to also share with each other, what is it that you're proud of? What is it that brings you joy, hope? Um, there's this exercise that I give people to do at night, um, every day, whether they're living together, or not living together. Find 10 minutes, do this, oi and joy. What brought you oi? And oi goes first. Like, for example, something that was heavy on your heart, something that touched you the wrong way. It could be a piece of news. Just keep it at that. Or even your partner looking at you the wrong way. Oi, right? Something that heavy on your heart. And joy, you're talking about what brought you joy is smile. You know, our child today did this or, you know, you put the extra sugar in my cup of tea that warms my heart. This corresponds with the neurophysiology that we know around gratitude and also corresponds with a very specific principle that we have in social psychology called reciprocal liking. If I know that you like me, I'm going to like you back. Oh. And that is the first thing that dies in long-term coupledom. Because we are so practical, transactional with each other. We forget to show each other how much we like each other, actually. And then over a period of time, if I perceive that you don't like me, I'm not going to like you back. It goes back to like kindergarten
0: rules. (laughs) Like Literally, this goes back to kindergarten rules. What was it like on the playground? If somebody didn't like me, I was like, well, okay, then I guess I don't like you back. Mm-hmm. Wow. We do something similar at the end of the day. When I, I, some friends and I, we do these long hikes where we're out there for like nine days, 22 days, like a long time in the mountains. And at the end of every day, because they're hard days, I mean, we're climbing some of the most dangerous peaks and we sit together around our meal, which is something that we also don't do enough of right we sit together we break bread together and we talk about what was our favorite meal of the day what was the favorite thing that we ate what was the most difficult moment and what was the wow we call it wow pow chow the oh. wow is, isn't that great steal it everybody it's so good it's so good the wow is what is your wow moment of the day the pow is the ooh that was like really tough right mm-hmm. that that was the pow and the chow is what was our favorite food of the day Ooh, it was, it was great um, thank you to my niece Grace who brought this to the the circle uh, when we were on the trail together. And the interesting thing about it is this sometimes it's the smallest things that we didn't even realize. So for us, for example, when we're out there and we don't have that much food left because we're eating through our entire bear canister of stuff, some of the most amazing things that we could eat is a bite of a snickers bar or you know three almonds that we had left at the bottom that we found or something that we found in our jacket pocket that we didn't even know was there sometimes it's literally walking over something that we found on the trail that we picked up and ate i mean it's just how it is it's so it's so interesting because it's the moments right it's like those little moments that we we walk over and we don't even see sometimes so yeah, feel feel free to steal it. Wow pow chow. It's a great exercise around the dinner table.
1: That's really amazing. Yeah. I'm gonna probably give it a try tonight at dinner table. Yeah,
0: yeah do it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, do. I just love this conversation and I know that we do have to wrap up shortly. Would you come back,
1: please? <laughs> <laughs> Would you come back? Come back? Look, I'm here to change the world and create world peace, one relationship at a time. I talk to anyone who listens. I talk to anyone who believes in it and joins the mission. And uh, we need more love in the world. And we need to really know how to create that peace of heart and clarity of mind. People think... When they are in emergent love model kind of relationship, lifetime model of love, it's boring, it's monotonous. Actually, it's not because it frees up so much of your energy space, you know, mind space to do wonderful things in life.
0: I agree. I'm in the dating space right now and I 100% agree with you. It's Mm -hmm. there's nothing better. I remember my old therapist saying to me at one point, she said, uh, who's now my colleague, by the way, And oh, we laugh about the past. (laughs) We laugh about the past and like what it was like when I first met her versus the person that I am today. And I remember her saying to me, you're going to have to at some point shift from the way that you've done things in the past, right? And understand that some of your greatest memories are going to be made in what right now you would view as boring. And she was 100% right. She was 100% right. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. Nobody knows what they don't know. And I had to step into the space of what I never had experienced before, which the reason why I hadn't stepped into it is because it was calm waters. I didn't know how to do calm waters. I only knew how to do the treacherous, right? And when I stepped into the calm waters, I'm like, whoa, this is peace filled. I can breathe, I'm calm. And it creates so much space for the other stuff that I want to do in this lifetime. So I really encourage everybody to shift the way that we are right perceiving some of those things that ultimately are not healthy, right? And like perceiving what is healthy for ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also, again, define healthy for yourself first, you know? It's- Nice fits all and if you are in a dating scene uh, sarah specifically like chapter 3 is for you what we bring to love what is my essence and as a point of attraction we get attracted to one another but it's stop we stop being intimate with ourselves into me i see because mm. i change over time hopefully and then into me you see i invite you to see a part you know, different parts of me and what part of me I bring to the table in every relationship matters a lot. And what part of the other person I call in and invite in as well too. So I think, yeah, I, I thank you so much um, for doing this work and bringing this information to your listeners.
0: Well, thank you for doing this work. And what I'm going to encourage all of you to do is this. Go get the book. In just a moment, I would like you to share where they can get it from. Read the book and then send me a message or an email through Instagram, sarahsarahschiltoncrans.com. That's my email and ask the questions that you, what would you like to us to further dive into in our next conversation? What are the things, the questions that you have, you listeners, that you want to ask, right, for us to dive further into? And just send those questions to me, and then on our next episode, we can dive into those and uh, continue this conversation.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So as we're to get the book, if they want a signed copy, (laughs) I signed copies, Uh, lovebydesignbook.com is the website that people can go. And on the resource page, there are some resources, some exercises that you can go through individually and with your partner or partners, however, that, you know, your relational orientation allows. And there's a test relationship panoramic inventory test that is consisting of more than 10 validated scales that will tell you, uh, like if you are a member of a couple, that will tell you within 28 page on graphs as where you fit wow. with other thriving couples and what are the areas that you're strong at, what are the areas that you need to work on. So it's a very hopeful test. And if you have a provider, you can know, send it to them for interpretation, or if not, they can actually, um, the couple, if all of them consent, everybody involved consent, they can receive it themselves. And it's not, it's easy to follow. And so it's a relationship panoramic inventory. It's all on the website. And join the newsletter, Instagram, anywhere that you can find the information, please do.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to keep like pushing this into the world. So, so happy to have met you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, again, everyone go get the book, listen to it, send me an email, Instagram message, whatever, ask the questions. What would you like us to dive further into? We are here for you to do just that. So thank you again for coming on. And until next time, keep loving, keep loving the way that you are. It's just amazing. Thank, thank you.
1: So oh, much the same to you. Thank you so, so much for having me, Sarah. It was a thank pleasure. You. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you, I believe in us, and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you, on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahschultenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or information or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day.